Hello, I'm Chris Ryan, and welcome to another episode of The Answer, the Ringer NBA Show's Week in Review, where I look to answer the big questions facing the league. And this week, I talked to Miran Fader, Jason Gallagher, and Tyler Parker about what our 2021 expectations are for Giannis, Luca, and Lou Dort. It's all coming up on a Supermax extension episode of The Answer. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Oh, new episode, new theme music, which sound more official every week. And it's official that Giannis is staying with the Bucks. This week on The Answer, I wanted to talk about expectations with you guys. It's the thing that unites every team. It unites every player, every coach, every GM, every Twitter GM, every tape junkie, every rumor monger, every fan. This is, this is the moment right now before the season starts when expectations are at their fullest. But how do those expectations get shaped? And how do those expectations impact how we process a season? Now take Giannis Adetokounmpo, right? The two big storylines coming out of this week were the softness of James Harden's core and the size of Giannis's supermax. The audition is over and the Bucks got the part. Giannis is signed to stay in Milwaukee for the next few years. For Giannis, this is where the hard part starts. Giannis' entire career has been about exceeding expectations. He was a mid-first-round flyer that turned into a two-way monster, a two-time MVP, and the best player on the best team in his conference two years in a row. And it's all happening before he turns 27. So his prime is not even really kicked in yet. Try to process that. He has always been ahead of schedule. But now it's on Giannis. And I don't think we've had a situation like this in a while. Not really since like LeBron's first stint in Cleveland, where a player of this caliber with all the gifts in the world and with all the eyes of the NBA on him, this dude who was anointed as the league's next master blaster is going to more or less try and do it solo. AD left New Orleans. Paul George left Indy. Kawhi left both San Antonio and Toronto and built a second star into his free agency price tag with the Clippers. This is what the Milwaukee Bucks are for the foreseeable future. This is the Giannis show. Drew Holiday is really good. Trust me. 
is he somewhat overrated based on like the affection sort of NBA writers and NBA Twitter seems to have for him? Maybe, but I he's not LeBron. He's not PG. Giannis signed the Supermax this week, and now he is taking on the world on his own. That's what I'm trying to say. And now that he has signed that Supermax, the expectations shift from the Bucks and everybody wondering whether they can entice him to stay to Giannis. And can he push them over the hump? And much like LeBron's first stint in Cleveland, I think we might start hearing the same kind of debate that we had around LeBron, around Giannis. When is this guy going to get to the finals? When is this guy going to translate the regular season success to the postseason success? Does he have the kind of game that can do that? I would argue that this Bucks team, with Drew, you know, they'd get rid of George Hill, they get rid of Eric Bledsoe, they miss out on McDonavich. I would argue that this team is better but thinner than last year's squad. Drew's an upgrade, no doubt. But the problem with trading George Hill and Eric Bledsoe is that you can no longer trade George Hill and Eric Bledsoe. The problem with giving up those picks is that you can no longer give them to somebody else. So if Milwaukee comes up short this season, Yes, it is Bud's turn in the hot seat. Then maybe you look and say, what can we get for Chris Middleton to change things up, give Giannis a different supporting cast? But then pretty soon, it's Giannis. If not this season, soon. The pressure of expectations have now shifted. Up until this point, it was on everyone but Giannis. On the ownership to spend, on the front office to find personnel, on the supporting cast to contribute. But now, it's on the guy with the richest deal in NBA history. The expectation is, it's your turn. It's funny how that happens. On today's show, I wanted to talk to a couple of folks about how these expectations get made, how they change the way we interpret results, and how they impact our enjoyment of a player or a team. So let's get into it. All right, now I am joined by the newest addition to the Ringer staff, Mirren Fader. Mirren, what's up? How are you? I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad to have you. This is your first Ringer podcast. As I said, all downhill from here. But yes, I'm I'm excited for the debut. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mirren, I, I wanted to have you on for a number of reasons, not the least of which is you are uh, the only person with good timing in 2020, it would seem, because it was announced uh, that your book on Giannis, Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP, is going to be coming out at the end of next summer. And this coincided with this announcement yesterday that Giannis is re-signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. So... I know everybody has been like, did you know? Did you time it this way? But that that was a that was pretty sweet timing. It was sweet timing. And, you know, I may have played into it a little bit. I threw a couple of eyeball emojis, but um, no, I did not know. <laughs> um, I'm certainly thankful for it. I think the book itself, yes, we had uh, timed it to come out when it came, you know, it's coming out next year because of all the free agency stuff and the decision, but certainly didn't know. But if you know Giannis and you know his story about loyalty, it's not as surprising, I think. Yeah, that goes right into my first question. It's like on a scale of one to five, one from one being totally nonplussed and five being shocked. How surprised were you that he decided to re-up with the Bucks? Okay, I'm going to go with a three. I oh. kind of thought it could go either way. I was a little bit surprised just because of everything that went down. I know there's tons of reporting out there, uh, really great stuff about it. But I think now that I know, it's it's almost like, okay, that makes sense. You know, he is still loyal to the same people that, you know, he remembers the exact person that first put an ice bag on his knee. He remembers the first intern that, you know, fetched him food from this place. Like he's very much like, remember your roots. Don't forget where you came from. And I feel like this decision reinforces that. 
Yeah, and I think it's also important to remember that Giannis is still in the infancy of his NBA career in a lot of ways. Like it's it he's got a long road if 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 you know, he's obviously taking great care of his body based on like how swole he seems to be getting every year. And like there's a lot of basketball to be played. Um I guess I'm curious about the change in how he is situated himself in the Bucks as a franchise. Because, you know, along with the Giannis announcement, there was then some reporting from uh Kevin Arnovitz and Brian Windhorst on ESPN talking about him taking maybe a little bit more of an active hand in who the Bucks are recruiting, uh, who the Bucks are surrounding him with. Do you see that as as a, a development for him? It's like because I, I it sounds like in the past he's been a little bit more like front office does front office things. I'm here to play. I support my teammates, whoever they are. Now we're hearing stuff about Giannis showing front office guys, hey, look, this guy texted me and said he might be interested in playing. Yeah, I definitely think there's been a transition. And keep in mind, there's been three coaching staffs in his career. So he's sort of, the, the first half of his career was almost like learning the business of basketball. Oh, okay, so the coach I have rookie gear is fired. Now I have this new coach. Okay, Jason Kidd comes, then he's gone. So I think he he sort of watched it from afar and, and realized how it works. And then he earns this title of leader and global icon. And now he feels, obviously, he has more than a seat at the table. <laughs> he is foundational. And so his journey is coming from being somebody that more leads by action and watching and working to more vocal. Um, that's been a process for him this entire time. He used to like really not like speaking up in film sessions and, you know, wanting to just prove himself on the court. Like, why do I have to talk about it? And I think the 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 much more vocal Giannis you see in terms of like, hi, I'd like this player. This is what I'm thinking. I feel like that is so much part of his journey in transforming not just the action, but being a vocal leader. Yeah, and he's also, I mean, is from the responsibility that he's taken on and maybe voicing, using his voice a little bit more, I think he's about to take on more responsibility on the court because, you know, this Bucks team is the Bucks team that they've got. You know, like there, there are not that many new ways to skin a cat in terms of adding players, especially during the season this year, I don't think. And now we're hearing talk about Drew getting maxed out. So it's like, it seems as if they've made the decision that this trio of Middleton, Giannis and Drew are going to be the guys they ride into another postseason. What do you think of, of, of the Bucks on court product? Like, do you think that they are getting the most from the guys they have around him? Uh, and do you think that he'll be happy with this new roster? I mean, I definitely think the holiday edition is huge. Um, I think that, you know, first of all, this is a move that people might not realize, but the addition of Josh Oppenheimer, the assistant coach um, that they just re-signed is actually a very, very big deal to Giannis. Um, that was his that was his guy, freshman, uh, not freshman year. He could have been a freshman. Been his freshman um, yeah. <laughs> he was a baby of being pulled back then. But um, that first year in, in 2013, like Josh Oppenheimer and him would shoot hours and hours every single day after practice. And so I think having him here brings that sense of normality. Um, and I think it's one step further of his comfortability with this group. Um, I think bringing him back was major. And I think, you know, people might not know that or see that, but it yeah. will definitely make a difference. Um, as far as like the players that they have, um, I think that they have, they certainly have enough to see it through. I don't know if it's going to work, but yeah. I know that Giannis believes in this group. Um, and I think that you see his commitment to it. Um, he's certainly, like you said, been vocal about more his needs. Um, but I think with this coach coming back and, you know, these places, these pieces in place, I think that um, it's certainly going to be exciting. 
Are you glad or somewhat wistful about the fact that the next year of watching Giannis is going to be purely watching Giannis and not watching where Giannis might go and and all the the decision sweepstakes that would have happened around that? Absolutely. Like, I feel like when we have a, a player that so defies convention in terms of what we value in basketball, right? Like he is thriving as somebody that does not rely on a jump shot. We can't appreciate what we're seeing, the athleticism, the tremendous speed downhill, the ball handling, the size. Like, I feel like we take for granted a lot of his greatness because we're so used to it now. But it really, he's still so young and there's still so much potential that I feel like without having to focus on rumors, you can actually just appreciate basketball and maybe appreciate how much he is going to grow. We'll see what happens with the jumper, but I would like to focus on his form and that rather than like, where is he going? And I know personally, I'm not from the Midwest, but I know that Bucks fans are finally glad that they can have a sense of peace. Like, look, can we just enjoy our generational player without all of you people trying to steal him from us? <laughs> <laughs> it was going to get so loud. I mean, if this didn't oh. happen, if, if he was like, I just want to see what we want to do this year, it was going to get chaotic, man. And like, even just hearing like, just even re- like scanning hoops hype, you could just see that people who were saying like, ah, if, they, if he hadn't resigned, they would just have to consider what they could get for him. And it's just like, I can't believe we're at, we were almost at that point. Um, I want to ask you really quickly about how you think uh, Giannis will react now that I think the spotlight is weirdly even more trained on him because we'll go into another season, another presumably a postseason with him. And I kind of wonder if, let's say the Bucks have another second round exit. If we go and we return to um, kind of some of the stuff that dogged LeBron for a little while about whether or not he could get it done in this place and whether or not he was the total package and was alpha or whatever like stupid sports writer tropes we want to throw around. But like that debate has not really come up in the last couple of seasons for places because generally like guys team up and it's just kind of a foregone conclusion with Giannis. He's not going it alone, but he's definitely putting himself under a lot of scrutiny. How do you think he'll react to that? I think he doesn't see it in terms of like external pressure or any spotlight that's different. Giannis is so refreshing because even at this stage in his life with all the millions that he makes, it's very simple for him. Here's the ball. Here's the basket. I'm going hundred miles an hour. Like he really doesn't look at it like pressure or storylines for him. It's, it's the same gym that he spent hours as an 18 year old fresh over here, you know, like he, I don't think he sees it as that. I know that there is pressure to win, like you're saying, but I don't think he looks at it differently, especially with the things that have happened in his personal life, uh, with his dad's death. And now he has a son, you know, when things like that happen to you, your perspective is so much bigger than basketball. And certainly with everything that he's dealt with growing up, I think that, you know, he's still so focused on family and things that the pressure of basketball does not really get to him in the way that maybe it does with other people. I also think that he really believes he can win there. Um, I went to Milwaukee right before the world shut down, thank God. And uh, I asked him, um, did you ever think that the Bucks would ever win this many games? I mean, you know, your first year, it was 15 wins. There was a polar vortex. And he's like, man, if you would have told me we would get to this point, I wouldn't have believed you. And so I think just seeing that they could get to this point has given him strength and belief in the commitment. Like, 
okay, it is possible here. Now they just have to do it. Yeah. And I mean, like in some ways, the back-to-back MVPs like have accelerated the expectations around him, I think, in a way that if he had just won one or if he had come close or if there had been an argument, but, you know, he had been runner-up to LeBron or runner-up to Harden or whatever, it would have been different. Like, we really ask so much from guys in their first few years in the league now. You know, whether it's Luka, whether it's Giannis, whether it's Zion already, you know, it's it's it, the expectations around, like, what they are able to produce on an early in an early phase of their careers is immense. I really think that the NBA is so weird to me because they want players to come in at their youngest and most developed. How is that a thing? Like you can't, <laughs> you can't be both. I mean, maybe you can if you're a unicorn, but that's very, very few. And I think part of the reason why I love Giannis' story and why I'm writing this book is because he's an example of what happens when you give young prospects time to develop. You know, revisionist history is something, but nobody thought he was going to be, yeah, no. you know, anything close to that. I look at that draft a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're not going to be able to be a fly on the wall as this decision takes place because there won't be a decision. He's made his decision. But that doesn't mean we can't still have a little bit of fun about hypothetical where hypothetically where we would have like enjoyed to have seen him land. And I don't know if you've, if you've played this game at all, where you've thought about where you would have maybe liked to see him turn up outside of Milwaukee. I know you don't want to burn any bridges in Milwaukee by being like, it would have been cool if he had gone to Indiana. But, um, (laughs) I thought I, I, I'll, I'll take the heat off of you. I'll do my power ranking of my top five Giannis destinations that won't happen now because he's resigned with the bucks, but it would have been cool. If it would have been cool. Number five, if he'd gone to Toronto, I love the fan base. I just think that um, watching the way they've coalesced around that franchise and the whole We the North thing, it's a really international team and it's a really cosmopolitan city. And I think he just would have been amazing up there. There's something about Giannis leading not only a franchise, but like an entire country's like kind of basketball identity up there that would have been pretty, pretty sick, if you ask me. And if they could have done it without losing anybody like Siakam or OG in the in the process, that would have been that would have been pretty fun. So number five is Toronto. Any any thoughts on Toronto? Yes, I love the um, globalism uh, connection as well. And if I'm not mistaken, they were one of the teams that came to Greece to uh, scout him originally back in 2012. And I think that they felt that way of like, oh, this connection. So that would that would have been cool. I don't know whether it's better to have been one of the teams that went to Greece to scout him or <laughs> not. Like if you got ta- if you got to see him and you were still like, eh, if I'll take Michael Carter Williams, you might you might regret that a little bit. Number four, uh, this is very simple, Miami, and there's one reason why. I wanted to see what would happen if Giannis went to a team and they were like, you have too much body fat. <laughs> you need to get in better shape. There, there is another level of diesel for Giannis, but Giannis in that kind of uh, blood sport Miami basketball factory would have been a sight to behold. But also so flashy, so not Giannis. I mean, this guy genuinely loves wearing his sweatsuit to a game. Like, yeah. I feel like he doesn't have the Miami, you know, vibes to go with. Not it. a lot of I, South I, Beach time for him. No, okay. You know, no, I, I'm not. I don't think so. Okay. Well, <laughs> here is my. Uh, I, I just watched Tenet, so I, I to me time is just like a construct. So my <laughs> idea for number three here was the 2014 Spurs. I wish that Giannis, you know, he's playing for Bud, who was an assistant coach with the Spurs up until 2013. So he didn't get to coach that team that brought down Miami. But I would love to have seen Giannis with like prime late pop. You know, Giannis playing with a guy who could come up with a hundred different ways to use him. And he could be some kind of hybrid between 
new Tim Duncan, new Kawhi Leonard, and and new Manu somehow. I, I just think it would have been awesome to see. Well, Pop actually coached Giannis in the 2015 Africa game. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, it was the first time a group of like Team World, Team USA went to Africa. Pop was his coach and Giannis is like sprinting through practice. And yeah. Pop, Pop and everyone is like, this is a charity game in Africa. Calm down. <laughs> and he was like, no, I want to be great. So anyways, that brief experience made me like you want to find out what they'd be like together. Yeah, in right. Life. Um, number two. I, I've been seduced by uh, Bill Simmons and his repeated messaging about Luca and Giannis ch- teaming up. I, it, it became so intoxicating that I fell for it. So there was a part of me that will always dream of what that would have been like. I think we probably could have called the league for a few years if that had happened. But number two would be Dallas. I mean, that would be amazing. Um, I also just love that, like, although bo- obviously both international journeys completely different. Um, and I think, like, Luca probably respects the hell out of Giannis that he did not, he was not primed for this. He was not in some top club like yeah. this. He was yeah. at some a some random division. And I just could see them like geeking out about EuroLeague or something. And I, I would love that. I know. We would have to <laughs> give them a Europod, a EuroLeague pod. My number one, and this is gonna be a little bit of a surprise. And I I am a Sixers fan and I have no reason to see Jim Dolan happy, but I think it would be dope if one of these years before I die the Knicks were good. <laughs> and I, I do remember like, I, you know, I have a few sports memories that I hold really near and dear. One of them is, is Lynn sanity. One of them is the feeling of what happens in New York city when the Knicks are the center of the basketball world. And when, and when it's like every night at the garden, like anything could happen. And I know that it wouldn't happen. And in a lot of ways it shouldn't happen. And in a lot of ways, you know, the Knicks fans, like as, as Bill talked about on his pod with Cuban, like, He's glad that it's not going to that there's not going to be a year of could the Knicks get Giannis talk because it's so delusional. But there is a part of me that wants to see meaningful, awesome basketball being played by meaningful, awesome basketball players in New York, not in Brooklyn, in Manhattan. Like, I don't know. Give me, give me like in the first in the Biden administration, some some time frame. I would love to see it happen. I would love to see it too. It would also be the ultimate irony because I don't know if it's because New York was the only team that did not send a scout uh, to Greece, but Giannis always plays amazing at uh, at the Knicks. And it's, it's funny to watch old clips of like him basically saying he wants to bust Carmelo Anthony's ass in yeah. 2013 when nobody heard of Giannis. And so it would be, be the ultimate irony if he could have been on the Knicks. Do you know it's it's weird? I feel like there's lots of guys like that where it's always like, dude, dude we gotta get Kemba back in the garden. You know, he always plays great in the garden. This guy always plays. Maybe the problem right. is the Knicks are bad, and that's why guys always play well in the garden. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> it's just o- Occam's razor. Um, Mirren, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, good luck with the book. I, I can't thank wait to you. read it. I hope you'll give me a galley copy at some point when you're wrapped up with it. And we'll have to have you back on the answer sometime soon. Anytime. That was a blast. Thank you. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. All right, now it's a thrill for me to be joined by two of my good Ringer buddies, Jason Gallagher, uh, one of the guys behind NBA Desktop, one of the minds behind... If you have a favorite video at the Ringer, it's probably because of Jason. And then Tyler Parker, who is often the star of Jason's video work, and you may know him from Take Hunter, uh, Coach Tio, a number of other videos. Tyler, Jason, thank you for joining me on The Answer. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, this is great. All right, I wanted to talk to you guys because you're coming at the NBA, you're coming at fandom from two opposite sides of the spectrum. Jason is a guy you're cheering for the greatest basketball player of all time. A guy who in just two seasons has literally mounted Larry Bird and ridden him like a basketball stallion into the hearts and minds of NBA fans everywhere. And the question isn't, will Luka win the MVP or will Luka win multiple titles? It's, can a Slovenian become president of the United States while being the five-time defending MVP? That's the real question. And Tyler, on the other hand, I have forgotten who coaches the Oklahoma City Thunder. Dude, honestly, sometimes when I see his name, I'm like, all right, you know this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> who is Dagnall. coaching the Thunder again? Mark, Mark Dagnall. Mark right. was a G right. League coach last year and, you know, from what I understand, a terrific fella, so... So, Jason, you're coming into this season. I mean, it can only go down, really. I mean, it, the Mavericks aren't necessarily considered title contenders, but I think that there's this an enormous amount of expectation on Luka to emerge as a top three or four player in the NBA. And you've got people anointing him as like on his way to Springfield. Like, yes. like the bus, the, the end of the line is Springfield. How does it feel to be cheering for a guy who has all this at his feet? It's it's almost too much. It's it's really funny because um, well, first off, my fandom in general, I, I tend to elevate people. I mean, I've essentially treated Monta Ellis the same way I treat I treated Luca Doncic when he was with us. But <laughs> to see it actually unfold is like wild. But you know, the last two years have been super fun because of obviously we've talked about this a lot. The expectations of those players when they're not where they should be is actually the most fun to cheer for. Um, I remember the ringer would put out these graphics that were like the tiers and which teams fell into. And last year, 
Dallas was in like tier three and I was pissed. I was like, what the hell? Whatever. And this year they're in team two. Nobody and I'm just like, us. yeah. No, this year they're in team two. And I'm like, let's all tap the brakes just a second, okay? Because <laughs> now the expectations are on and I'm nervous. But what's uh, been thrilling about watching Luka Doncic is that every time it feels like, okay, this is a test. And just based on, you know, Mavericks fandom besides Dirk, like it's kind of always fallen short. Um, he's always sort of, excelled and in the Clippers series last year was one of those moments where it was like oh my god this this, is really happening this is really happening they're literally they they're studying him they're scouting him they're literally like there's no one else to stop other than Trey Burke shout out (laughs) (laughs) but there's no one there's no one else to stop and he came through almost just basically every single time and so I'm I'm nervous but like actually genuinely excited I believe in them so where Jason is coming into almost every NBA game, like it's this uh, like referendum on uh-huh. the, on on Luca's legend, <laughs> Tyler. I, do you have any expectations for the season? Because the Thunder are basically an experiment. Absolutely not, as far as expectations are concerned. I'm looking at this as a developmental year. I want SGA taking 30 shots a game. <laughs> let's get let's get Poku on the floor immediately. Let him take his bumps and bruises. Let's give him 25 minutes a night. Let him make mistakes. Um, but yeah, I think this is just sort of like, I mean, Presty wrote in July of 2019 in the Oklahoman, basically this, you know, long letter that basically said, get ready because we're going to suck for a little bit. <laughs> and like, and, you know, sort of using very thundery words like, you know, replenish, you know, or reposition, things like that or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, my expectation for this year is to hopefully be able to get, uh, excited about some of the young guys we have in, you know, Maladone looked good the other night. So we're pumped up about that. Like what's the over under on games you will watch this year? You think you will you watch like every, every Thunder game you can? Yes. I'll, I'll watch everyone that I can. I won't like organize my evening around it now. Um, you know, I'll, I can catch it the next day, uh, on league pass or something, but yeah, it's not like, it's not as, it's not as, I I, look, look, I, I, as somebody went through the process years, like sometimes it's more of a, like you need to take a supervisory role in the team, not necessarily a (laughs) hands-on role. Well, for sure. I mean, we, we've been, you know, highly competitive for since, you know, whatever, since 2011, you know, 10, we make the playoffs the first time. Um, but especially since like 2012, the expectations have been bonkers every year, pretty much save the, save the one, like the, the 2016, you know, Russ goes banana season. I don't think anybody was expecting much in terms of, you know, team success there. Yeah. But that became like uh, an anthem that everybody like yes. rallied around. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's sort of like, I, th- I think of this as like, you know what? We're going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get a lot of rest as a fan, you know, I'm going you know, <laughs> to get a lot of treatment, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, I'm going to, you know, go down to Turks and Caicos for a little bit or something like that. Relax, you know, come back next season refreshed, you know, ready to hopefully watch some Cade Cunningham. You know what I mean? That's the thing. So then, so we're, Tyler's going into this season fast and easy free. Jason, yeah. the one thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned that Clippers series is, um, the Luca health question, which is Luca, Luca doesn't seem like necessarily injury prone, but he was getting targeted a little bit in that Clippers series. 
And I know from cheering for Embiid and following him on a night-to-night basis, like every time he hits the deck, you kind of hold your breath. Yeah. I'm sure Pelicans <laughs> fans back when AD was there were like, is this guy going to get up? Like, did he, f- what, what weird bone did he fracture that, that like is going to take him out for 25 games? Do, are you starting to feel like almost like overly protective of Luca? And does it change the way you watch basketball? It does um, for, for like a number of different reasons. I mean, I feel like Tyler's going into what I just came out of basically, which is not caring, you know, spend a little more time with family, be a little bit of a better human being uh, <laughs> <laughs> just generally. But, but that Clipper series brought out a side of me, which I'm sure the Cowboys fan came out. I bet. Yeah. Well, Tyler's <laughs> Tyler's wife's a, a Clippers fan. And, and I actively had to, be thoughtful of some of the things I was saying because I was like, oh, I don't want anyone to think I'm directing this <laughs> at anyone. But like, but I was getting really pissed and I haven't been pissed in a long time. And with regards to Luca's, like I, Luca's health, it's, I feel like I'm watching him and I'm constantly saying, be careful because he's con- he is trying to draw fouls a lot. He um, exaggerates a lot. Yes. And sometimes unnecessarily falls down. Actually, quite often. And it worries me just given his, you know, I mean, he's he's obviously, you know, very he he can he's like a choreographer with the ball. But sometimes when he falls, it looks really like it hurts. Like it just really, really hurts. I don't know if it's (laughs) weight going down with him or what it is. But so it so it worries me. And and obviously, like, you know, if we want to get into to, you know, some of the Morris twin stuff we can but i yeah i got real pissed and i I, in a way that i have not gotten in a long long time i'm sure your morris twin like you know your drafts on cyber dust you're glad that they've been dissolved by (laughs) a a million times i have gone i i have legitimately gone back and deleted a couple tweets from that series i'm not kidding those those tweets could have reached the animosity levels that uh the when deandre jordan backed out of the deal with the Mavs back then you were oh yeah that wasn't pretty (laughs) i think you dodged a bullet on that one well yeah one of the most fun parts about the process aside from not watching the basketball and having a lot more time to read and enrich myself as a human being is the emergence of different folk heroes that can come out of these teams with zero expectations and a lot of no-name guys. And you you talked about Poku, you talked about... Uh, I was wondering if you had, had gotten a Theo Maldon tattoo yet or not yet i'm still i'm working with several designers on the uh on exactly what i want um <laughs> and uh i'm excited to see uh, excited to see what we come up with and nobody probably personifies this more than lou dort uh who uh, yeah. obviously like in the same way that maybe on a lesser scale luca sort of c- cemented his legend in the playoffs like lou dort like almost put, took the rockets out of the the playoffs maybe on a lesser scale come on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could I converted to Dordism early last year and have been a practicing Dordist ever since. Yeah. I is that a Sunday's like, thing or is that more of a like every day of the week, baby? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the uh no, I mean, I love him so much. He plays so hard. Chris Paul was on the JJ Reddick podcast the other day and he was talking about how you can you can sort of deal with the misses because of how hard he's playing on the other end. And just the way that he guarded Harden, where there, were, there weren't any theatrics or anything like that from Dort. He was just like, you know, what, what uh, Austin Rivers was doing some like Instagram live. And he said, and somebody asked him about Dort. He goes, Dort, he was sliding them feet. <laughs> and uh, 
basketball camp stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I also think that part of it is like, what an unbelievable name. Yeah. Just like what a perfect name, like either way. And I I think that that matters. It's like Zion. I mean, half the battle was won when his parents named him Zion. We're in a real golden age of NBA names. You know what I mean? Like I I grew up, this podcast is obviously very indebted to a guy named Alan. (laughs) You know, he managed to make that cool, but it's not like Giannis. Right. And Luca and LeBron. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, those those we're in a real high watermark. So, so awesome. A precious entering the league this year. It's incredible. Yeah, that's right. So to kind of like turn the corner here on the conversation, I'm curious, guys, what does success look like this year? Because Tyler, for you, I'm worried that like the Thunder might sneakily be not bad enough. I wasn't gonna say Yeah, good. I, I after after watching the first uh preseason game against the Spurs, honestly, like I was texting my friend and I was like Hey, we're going to need some guys to sit out a lot. We need we need SGA to like we need to pump the brakes on this because I'm <laughs> yeah. I, like I, honestly, Chris, it, I, nothing would make me happier than for us to lose every game next year. <laughs> Just to, like in, I I, I want to be in that top three. I want to have the 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 best possible percentage. Yeah, um, percentage chance to get that top pick. And so because that's I, the thing is, Kate Cunningham is at Oklahoma State now. It's two. It's you, you are you are set up for the savior. It could it like it 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 seems too perfect to not happen. So I'm sure it won't, based off of the Thunder's history. Um, but yeah, I like I want to see guys get better. I would like to see Dort, you know, like improve on his jump shot. I would like to see SGA be able to like really handle the load as like a you know a number one option at least for the time being. You know, I want to see like you know Poku start to you know show more than just kind of flashes every now and right. again. Right. You know, it's sort it's it's it, it becomes a lot more about like, you know, who could this guy be? Right. You know. J- Jason, what about you? Are are your expectations tied up in Luca's individual performance or the Mavericks as a team? Um it's definitely the Mavericks as a team now. Um I mean, we're playing Christmas Day against the Lakers and <laughs> Like that game, that that's too much stress for Christmas. Like that that game, <laughs> there's a lot riding on that game. Um, but success, success to me, it it really, I don't think anyone expected the Mavericks to do as well as they did with the Clippers. So it's almost as though um, the expectations are are uh, they feel a little too high for me, especially given the the pieces that they put around Luca. I mean, KOC is like super high on them. He's gassing me up a little bit. So I think. Uh, you know, for me, I would be very pleased with the playoff series win, a really competitive second round. I would love like a really like epic Lakers versus Mavericks series in which <clears throat> Luca goes toe to toe with with um, LeBron, and and so yeah. that that to me would be success. Um, like complete letdown would be another first round exit. Um, that that would be a letdown unless unless it had to do with injuries or whatnot. But yeah, that would all things equal. That would be that would be disappointing. I'm trying to decide now who which which of the teams have better names because I think especially in the future, like if if the Thunder get Cade, we're looking at a team with Shea, Cade, Dort, and yeah. Poku, dude, and like Basley. Basley, good name. <laughs> That's good not name. cool. Where's Basley's like, a cool name. You're no. playing you're, with a guy named Josh. You guys are saying it wrong. Josh. You gotta say Basley. That's a cool way to say it. 
I was gonna take the next five minutes to defend the name Josh, but I'll, I'll hold go it. ahead. I'll I mean, if you've got like a, a if, if you're coming from if you're in the pocket of Big Josh, you're you're more than welcome to defend him. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining me today, uh, and I hope to have you on later in the season so we can kind of look back and reflect on this moment where anything was possible for both of your teams. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks to Mirren, Tyler, and Jason. I really love talking to them today. And it's been really a, a blast talking to everybody in Musa and Kirk from the first episode. So check that out if you haven't of the answer. Uh, it's time now for the Philly special. What is the Philly special? Well, it's the play the one, the Eagles, the Super Bowl, in case you guys missed out on that. But what it is for this podcast's purposes is my ISO one-on-one wing play where I just talk Sixers like for 45 seconds. Uh, this entire episode has been about expectations and about what people are expecting from from different players, from different teams this season. And, and you know, everybody right now is talking about their predictions or where they think so-and-so is going to end up. So my Philly special this week is about the Sixers' expectations. And it's not about championship or finals or Eastern Conference finals. It's really about being proactive. And it's about these two guys who've come into the franchise, Daryl and Doc, taking a, a good look at this team in the first half of the season and seeing what they've got and seeing whether or not this Embiid Simmons axis with Tobias Harris and Danny Green and Seth Curry and Shake Milton around them, how good they are. Because I don't really know that we know the answer to that question yet because there were so many other things eating away at this franchise over the last couple of years, really since the Colangelo exit. You could tell me the Sixers are going to come in fifth. You can tell me that the Sixers are going to win the East. I wouldn't be surprised by either. I just can't wait to watch them play. Uh, just coming up on the answer. So we'll be off next Friday and the following Friday for Christmas and New Year's. But we'll be back in 2021. Uh, and we can't wait to talk to you about the season. By that point, I expect the Sixers to be about 12-0, I think. So we'll be we'll be coasting um, and, and fielding offers. You know, maybe Harden for Korkmaz. Who knows? Until then, uh, thanks for listening to the answer. We'll see you soon.